when you read books and learn and see things online is different dots get connected. Mm -hmm. There's one dot in sales or, or mindset in sales that those that are driven by money will never will never outperform those that are driven with the desire to help others. And those that want to help others, their KPIs outperform anybody's yep. all day long. Oh yeah. And and so those that are money motivated, I need to make this sell to get a bigger check. Yep. Um, you might have someone that's good in that arena, but they'll never be as good as that guy that wants to help. Yeah. Welcome to the Innovative Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Sunberg. In this episode, I sit down with Jeff Eiley to discuss some of his real estate ambitions and his sales involvement at JNRS. So yeah, Jeff, we uh, nice to have you on to the Innovative Builder Podcast, so welcome. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, so yeah, we just thought, sit down, you've been kind of hanging around here a lot lately and figured kind of chat about what you got going on in your I career and day-to-day. I haven't day. wore my welcome here yet. So. Uh, getting there, <laughs> almost. <laughs> no, but I think there are some folks that are kind of curious, like what your involvement is, and we don't need to get into like all the weeds necessarily, but yeah, um, we you kind of made a pretty big career change, right, over the past, about a year ago or so. and so Yeah, I didn't know it was a year until this morning or yesterday on LinkedIn, the uh, got congratulations on my work anniversary i don't know which anniversary that is but i assume oh, yeah. it was <laughs> when i left my uh past role but uh, what was that so i was uh uh kind of the role kind of changed here and there but uh the ops uh director at dbs oh yeah so local. and you had kind of when did you start working there that would have been uh i think it was the fall of 2015 so my my real career after high school kind of started yeah. off in the HVAC world plumbing and heating yeah and then in 2015 we joined DBS which uh, was a growing foundation waterproofing insulating uh, yep. home improvement company yep and they were pretty small back then when yeah I was right around the 10th employee give or take oh yeah you know something like that and then then that was the fall of 2015 September I believe and then after that uh, like again, it was like kind of one size fits all. General manager, kind of doing sales manager mm-hmm. production, and as things grow, different seats get filled yep. up, and oh, yeah. few hats come off. You know, from the uh, I mean, I I always picture like the the guy with twenty Dr. hats. Doctor Seuss. Doctor Seuss. That's yeah, one. I do too. So the Doctor Seuss hats came off, and uh, and when I uh, again a year ago, twenty twenty one, decided to get into real estate more of a full-time we kind of uh been studying up on it a lot and and trying to get into things with our our mentor kind of coaching us on you know the dynamic of multifamily and and financially it was a is a situation where i could basically jump right into it for a period of time right the risk is i better make money soon or otherwise i gotta get (laughs) and jump back into a full-time gig but so So that's that's you and your buddy or your brother, Derek. Yeah, my brother, Derek. So yep. he's still full-time lifelink nurse, flies on the helicopter. and Yeah. Um, so you guys, what was the name of the company you guys started? Nimbus Group. Okay, so that's basically a real estate holdings company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's then again in the real estate world, it's kind of one size fits all. What are we doing? We're we're actually property managing at the moment, which is not what we want to do. Yeah, but, we got to start somewhere though. Yeah, get the boots on the ground for a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to help us hold property managers accountable in the future. But learning learning the ropes on it, kind of. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, the the goal is for both of us to to grow that a portfolio and a buy and hold in the long term strategy. Oh, yeah. in the real estate, specifically a primary being multifamily housing. Oh, yeah. But I'm a shiny object cha- uh, chaser as well. I of course, got- if you're in real estate, you <laughs> got to be. It's one of the requirements. <laughs> yeah. I think and- we made up a new one the other day, the shiny squirrel. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the shiny squirrel. It catches your eye uh-huh. even on the peripheral way yeah. out here. Oh, yeah. So when you turn your head and then that's where your focus goes. Yeah, you got to figure out how to how to manage that. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there was a, a comment on uh, 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 Gary V was talking about his shiny object syndrome that he has as well. Oh, yeah. And it kind of struck a little chord that we talk about staying focused in your mm-hmm. core business, which is good. But in the end, if that's not you and you want to chase shiny objects and some of them fail and distract you, and mm-hmm. but you're kind of fulfilling your own personal need. And you're making progress. And you're making something. progress. Right. At least somewhere along the line. Right. Who's to say that's not so the right you're good path? So if you're good at chasing shiny squirrels, go <laughs> ahead and chase a shiny squirrel. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I mean, because you could, you could narrow your focus so much that you never actually make any progress on yeah. some of your passion projects, right? Yeah. Especially from a someone that's a high visionary mind, it's it can be a little bit de- almost demoralizing. Right. But if you got a team that can allow you to go chase shiny objects and they say, well, oh, uh, Jeff will be back here shortly. And sure enough, here he comes, you know, <laughs> the shiny object got away from him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's ideal. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Um, so this whole real estate thing was kind of born, what, about a year ago you said? Yeah. Be, before that, it's always been a, been an interest and there's, there's things that in life that are a, interesting. I think we all have interests, even in just say personal joys i want to take a trip i'd love to go fishing in alaska i'd want to do this or buy this or Mm -hmm. um experience something and uh it's always been one of those things that you wish you would do right and so kind of the trifecta came along where it made sense for the business i was in uh and it made sense financially and um with having uh, a mentor that's willing to coach us in that arena timing just kind of worked out timing worked out was that a tough decision yes it was it was until uh those important to me said yeah why not you know so inwardly you know it's easy to look on what your your mind can hold let's say risk and uh stress right and uh versus your wife and your kids and those around you but when it's like, yeah, sh- shoot, go for it. It's like, oh, really? You think that too? All right. In other words, you're kind of, we're all kind of our own barrier. Yeah. Turns out. Yeah. 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 No, I think I, I've seen that too myself. But yeah, I just, I think it surprised a lot of people, you know, because there was maybe a perception that everything was, you know, just ripping along great with Jeff, which it probably was. Yeah. Um, so it's sometimes like from the outside, it's like, oh, that's a big change, you know. Yeah. Of course, we all speculate. Nobody actually knows what's going on anywhere, ever. Yeah, but, yeah. And yeah, and when we left, like I said, I was uh, right around the 10th employee. There might have been 
10, 12, somewhere around there at DBS. And, and when you started? When I started, there's, when I left there last year, there's about 75. So it's a oh, yeah. plus or minus. Yeah. Um, so big growth. Serious growth. How many, in how many years? Uh, that'd be about a little over five years, wow. five and a half years. That's impressive. And I, I believe there, this, this year there'll be over a hundred for sure. Um, wow. And it might be really close to that. So in a high growth, and that's a lot of fun. That's a lot oh, yeah. of fun, but there's also a lot of again seat changes and a lot of demands. A lot of demands and oh yeah, um, and creating a and they have a great culture there as well. Yeah, and that's why it was it was uh, easy to join JNRS right. as a as a sales coach and trainer is you know the culture is yep. the biggest thing. If you have a choice, I think most people that know themselves are employable about anywhere. Right, um, but you want to get that phantom income, that reward of being on a dynamic team mm -hmm. you know making an impact yep exactly no it's been good and i want to get to that eventually in our conversation here today but um yeah i guess maybe that's the segue so what wasn't working about jeff kind of being um on his own i mean your brother's working full-time and here you are all of a sudden one day like looking for like, okay, what do I got to do Monday morning? I don't have a, jo <laughs> I don't have a seven o'clock job anymore, you know? Yeah. So how, how did that, uh, I guess what wasn't working about that as far as you went probably what a few months anyway, kind of pound and pavement and. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and it's a long game, even in real estate, even in the way I'm doing it is, uh, <clears throat> primarily getting off market deals. In cold calling, a guy could jump all in and go uh, on on market <clears throat> using uh, uh, investor funds and things like that, yep. which a uh, lot are, lot do, and there's still money to be made there. Yep. But it feels like it's less, uh, it's it's highly competitive, and there's less returns totally. So I was looking for more of a, a rare deal deal with higher returns. In turn, keeping my uh, uh, inex my inexperience in the real estate. Uh, sheltered in that risk. All so right. if you have to, if you're working on low margins, you got to have your your stuff dialed to clear those low margins. Yeah. Oh yeah. So not it, much different than any old business. Any business. Yeah. So if there's a higher margin area, and I and I biff it a time or two, well, the margins will cover me. You know. <laughs> so that was kind of my mindset. It's nice to have a buffer. Yeah. And also, uh, why work more for less? Right. Is is kind of my mindset there. Yeah. Kind of looking for a passive situation, right? Passive yeah. income. Yeah, as yeah. best as possible. Right. And and build that portfolio. But in the end, uh, the biggest thing, uh, as far as even uh, what, what I was doing with Nimbus, is, is a lonely game. Oh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> even from cold calling, contacting people, and as you grow a real estate, you a real estate company, um, you, as far as revenue within the company, you can buy millions in real estate, tens of millions. Mm-hmm. To 50 million a year you could purchase and still be a one-man band yep it'd be a little bit tougher to get, yeah be a little, little tougher to get to the you know double digit millions in on, on your own without a team to help you your team ultimately would be just a a vendor team a third party you know your attorneys right. your your uh, brokers and things like that but yep. you wouldn't necessarily have to have anyone internally yeah so, so there's a lot more like revenue scalability in that arena yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, but on the flip side, 
it's a it's a lonely game from a mindset being able to work with people yeah you went from working with 75 employees who you probably knew pretty much personally to all of a sudden yourself and a cup of coffee and a laptop yeah yeah right? exactly and and no one needs you you know that's a, <laughs> no one needs to and, and and that's a, a good Plus thing all your buddies are giving you crap for being on unemployment and everything yeah like go for a run with some of these guys <laughs> yeah mark and ty and so uh in blade i was the butt of the unemployment joke so yeah no it's it's all right um and that was motivating no <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, but i i enjoy so people basically you found yourself maybe maybe it wasn't so clear but you kind of all of a sudden realized like yeah it'd be nice to have something where i could interact with people yeah. And I and think it, that was around the time we opened up the showroom down here, right? Yep. You opened up the showroom. And I was part of a mastermind with a, a group of guys, um, mm -hmm. which your father-in-law was part of. And he's the one that actually asked me one morning. Uh, he said, how are you getting your people fixed? And and it's been on my mind, but just just black and white. I'm like, you know, I really ain't. Right. You know, so, and that's where it made sense to get back into role. Hey, there was, there was a need uh here mm -hmm. and it's it's super fun to see individuals grow yeah as a as a organization grows all the people within it have to grow right uh and pull their weight but yep. it's super rewarding to see young guys learn a trade a craft or skill mm -hmm. and see the fruits come from that yeah so basically where we were at all of a sudden we uh opened up the showroom in may and um but right around that same time we were trying to build a, a sales team basically yeah. Ray was the only salesman in the company. Um, you know, Sam was helping him basically as an estimator or an assistant. Sales assistant, yeah. Yep. And we were kind of stuck, if I remember right. I mean, it was like we had, you know, committed to this training program, mm -hmm. of which was the same program that you used at DBS. Um, and, it, and we were just really feeling like, like we'd been going through it since November of 2020, actually. But it's like if you if you have all the videos and the content and the workbooks, but no teacher, I mean, how far do you expect the kids to get without a teacher? It's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. So if I remember, I remember a conversation we had one day. It was like, I knew you were, you know, doing your thing, but had quite a bit of downtime. And it's like, hey, would you be willing to just do it even one day a week, like run our sales training and try to get some traction with this? And so we kind of started doing it, but. Mm -hmm. And then we had the workspace down here, so you were able to just kind of work on your own stuff, and it seemed like pretty good flexibility, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really well. Still works out well. And in like we talked about, uh, touched on the not only the the teacher to teach class per right. se, but um, third party perspective. Oh, you know, man. yeah, is 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 big in any business. Um, yeah, absolutely. When there's a, le a leadership team or a sales team or any part of a team that ultimately ends up thinking the same way on a certain mm -hmm. subject or a way of doing business. Um, and someone comes up with a new idea, it's hard to adopt, you know, so much. But if a third party comes in and says, this is great because look at the results that all these other businesses, businesses have had doing yep. this. Yep. Everyone's like, Oh, that sounds good. Let's do it. Right. And then, yeah, the, there's a lot the of power movement. of third party. I mean, that's, I would say that's one of our biggest accomplishments of the past two to three years is bringing in them people that, yeah, have that third party perspective. They've they've been through other businesses and they know what works, what doesn't work. And of course we still have our own business with its own unique challenges. It's not it's not yeah. a it's not a silver bullet, but 
yeah, just credibility is that much easier to attain. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been awesome. You've basically, you know, per SOE been our resident sales pro. Um actually on payroll now and kinda incentivized to sell and um kinda part time still, pretty fairly loose but still formal at the same time. Seems like we've had a pretty good arrangement. Yeah. Yep. Trying yeah. to trying to hit uh enough time where there's improvement but yeah, so what is what do you what do you uh what's kind of your day to day um with JNRS now as this sales trainer? Like how how are you I mean we know you're running the sales training, but what else kinda of goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, so from uh from a Monday, uh I usually get at least half a day Monday in, depending on if I'm doing individual meetings with the sales team yeah. earlier in the day. Um and then meetings are like what kind of meetings? With the sales team? Yeah. So like last week we have uh um, we do a lot of film rooming, so we do we do more film rooming probably than any other meeting, um, and that's where we may not specifically have a set meeting, but we'll just take up. Uh, I met with Sam right before uh, we're here on this podcast, and um, he came back from a, a sales appointment. When we film room it, how did it go? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's run through it. Uh, what the results were, how could we improve, what do you feel like you knocked out of the park, oh, yeah. um, and then what's the next step? Because a lot of these, if they're not closed, you know, customer on the on the schedule with the check in hand, it's like, how are we going to still get that customer to that point? Yep. What do we got to do to accomplish that? Yep. So it's definitely part of uh, the professional uh, cycle of how we, we do our training. Mm-hmm. Um, we practice, you know, we role play. Mm-hmm. Then we play the game, then we film room, and we start that cycle all over again. Oh, yeah. So, it's so that's more, what the individual meetings are, basically, is a yeah. lot of film rooming and role-playing. And role-playing. Yeah, ro- yeah role-playing. Pre, pre and post even, yeah. uh, exercises. Yeah, role-playing is super important for everybody's role, uh, yeah. not just sales. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think we still need to step up our game a little bit on role-playing, we for do. sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other meetings that we have um, have been – actual ride-alongs so that that's been very helpful mm-hmm. doing some ride-alongs with you uh, go you're basically jumping in with the sales guys and yep you're just there to listen you're not talking much or anything yeah yeah, yeah. interject a little bit uh as a jnrs employee i'm riding along to learn today um and for all they know you're learning i'm i'm yeah, i'm I mean, the student learning, today yeah. you know but i just say we're riding along to learn today and 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 see how the appointment goes yeah um and get to give the sales guys feedback because if we all knew exactly what we need to improve wouldn't we just improve it just work on oh, it oh yeah just I do mean, it <laughs> just do it <laughs> you need those eyes you know you do. where where you're not catching certain things like when you said a certain phrase or subject or gave a price did you notice how they blinked or put their hands through their hair you know stress uh signs or mm-hmm. oh no i didn't you know so you're able to observe you know, with a little, uh, yeah. not being part of the conversation. Yeah. Because you're, you're dealing with guys that may, might even feel stuck at times, you know, maybe you go a few weeks without a sale and it's like, well, let's go on your next appointment together and you can kind of identify certain things and then target that. Right? Yeah. 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 The, we had a joke in the past, which I still use is, is salespeople are Madonnas. Yeah. You know, they're emotional roller coasters. Um, in it's, in it's, uh, not necessarily a bad thing because that's the trait of a salesperson that's out there 
when they're hitting it. I mean, they're they're drumming their fingers on their dash and you know counting be, their counting the dollar bills, counting their dollar bills, and you know, uh, you know, they're jolly old fella, fellas. And, mm-hmm. You know, they hit a few downs, you know, a few nos, a few nos, a few nos, and yep. pretty soon, you know. To, no one's gonna buy the rest of the year, you know. The <laughs> world's ending. At your doors, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and and so they do need a lot of cheerleading. Everybody does, but it seems like the right salesperson needs a lot, a lot of cheerleading and coaching along the way. Yeah, and they go through. It's a cyclical process. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just chatting with uh, one of the old sales reps that uh, worked with that DBS, and we chatted about the same subject. Oh, yeah. uh, and he was in a downturn at that point in time. You know, his, his numbers are a little low, and uh, <clears throat> so I'd sent him a video to watch, <laughs> and he got sent back. Uh, you know, thanks. You know, he he knows what the conversations do. We even tell him. Yeah. You know, we talk about it while we're talking about it. Yeah, I need I need you to, or I need these, you know, motivating words. Right. You it's know, like, from someone else. Especially if we acknowledge that, right? Like, yeah. We tell the sales guys, you're going to experience these roller coasters of emotions, right? Yeah. It just. Why is that? Why do you think, I mean, obviously any of us in our careers can have emotion, emotional challenges, right? But why yeah. is it so prevalent in sales? Um, I think the largest thing is, uh, is, is what's our mind. It, it could, I mean, physical things such as framing or carpentry or laying flooring, and um, we can step back from almost anything physical and say, look at what I built or look at what I fixed. Yep. Or uh, uh, we can see we can see progress. So a lot, a lot of this is uh, blind stuff, signing the contract when you got to ink on paper. You're trying to cast a vision for these people. You're casting a vision. And you're a, actually getting excited about their solution. So there's some emotional energy expended, right? There's a lot of emotional energy expended. There's a lot of uh, uh, discovery along the way. We're meeting new people, which is exciting for someone yep. in that, that role. Um, but we also have to figure out why they called us out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you want this fixed. But why do you want it fixed? Why is it important to you to get fixed? Getting down to the root of a lot of emotions that we're trying to harness and then doing a lot of this work and then maybe not working for them and the next person, the next person for multiple reasons. Mm. But we kind of get these, uh, when we're able to help them, it's super pleasing. Not only do we get paid and make a living for our family, mm-hmm. but we got to help someone today. Yeah, You know, oh, yeah. we A, fix their problem or providing a an investment firm, a return, or they're gonna have a beautiful home, or right, yep. add that bedroom for the baby that's on the way. Yep. There's all sorts of ways we help people. That's super fun. And then when we don't get to help them, it, it goes uh, down the other way. Yeah, you get to know them, and you think you think they're gonna move ahead, and then all of a sudden they say no, and it's just like almost like a you're offended a little bit maybe, or you know. But to try to like manage that so you're not. Yeah. It's like no, it, we weren't the right fit for each other. Yeah, the mindset and beliefs is a big one. Um, Mindset and beliefs, we believe that, uh, uh, you know, you have circumstances and you have your mindset and your beliefs. And if, and if that triangle gets tilted on any other pendulum besides the mindset and beliefs being the stable, flat ground, yeah. um, or if we let circumstances dictate how our mindset is and beliefs, yep. that's where our turmoil goes. Gotcha. So, like, a focus on your goal. Or yep. your your purpose as a salesperson, as an advocate for the company you're working for, or, or the comp you know, maybe it's the company's vision or mission or Yeah. Like a always home, coming back to that. Always coming back to that. You know, we we want to touch every home in the community. Yep. You know, we believe like from a problem quote, we believe they should fix it, right? Yep. They got a problem. They should fix it now. Yep. Right? It's gonna get more expensive later. Yep. Now's the best time. They should fix it right. Yep. 
I mean, no band-aids, you know, or proper solution. They should fix it with us. Right. You know, those are some core beliefs. Yeah. You need to fix it, fix it now, fix it right, fix it with us. That's a stable mindset yep. um, that uh, w- that we believe. And, and if someone says they don't want to fix it with us, well, that's okay. Right. You, you know, they might not want to fix it right. They might want to yeah. butter it up and sell the house. Yep. And let's like, the, do we want our name on that project? You know, yeah. and, and, but we can, we can forget those things. We need other people to calibrate our compasses yeah. often. Yeah, you can get kind of wind wind yourself into the rut. Yep. Yeah. We get we get blinders on and yeah. we, get, we get focused on the uh the nose. So in your experience, like I think when mo- like even people listening think of like sales, they think of like closing and like you know, even these KPIs that go with that, these key performance indicators. Um does a sales guy sell more of his jobs than he visits or does he you know, how should that be? Should should you sell most of the work, most of the leads you run? Should them turn into sales, or what's kind of the thought on that? Well, I mean, I've heard guys say, "Oh yeah, we have a 80, 90 percent close ratio." You know. Yeah. And yeah. then I got other guys going, "Oh, we got twenty percent, and we're still alive." And I'm like, well, "What in the world? Is that different per industry, per company?" Or there is a different close rate per industry. Um, that's for sure. Even uh, let's let's just talk specific home services. Mm-hmm. There's close rates um, specifically there. Service industries where maybe like I got a broken furnace and, and there's different uh, KPIs and closing ratios. Um, we kind of had this discussion at our mastermind about a year ago, and it was it was uh, we I had asked the team what their closing ratios were. A few didn't know what theirs were, and a couple that did. Uh, didn't know exactly what they were, but they're guessing 75 to 80 percent. And um, I offered them jobs at a quarter million a year working 30 hours a week <laughs> on the spot. Neither of them took it. But the whole point was, is if I had a, a business model yep. that could bring in the leads and you can close 80 percent of them, um, I'll be making millions off of you. Oh, yeah. And I'll, you know, and I'll double your income, whatever. So what you're saying is that that's not very realistic. That's not realistic if you're uh, – only referral based in a small company. So if you got one, two, three, five, six guys and you get all your leads based off referrals, in other words, no one knows you exist unless someone that did work with you right. told you that they, uh, that you exist. Yep. And so your your uh, intimate referrals, your really close-knit referrals are a high closing rate. Yeah. So in other words, they never ran an ad before. They, yep. they never uh, marketed. Um, and so you're running off of just... Um, intimate referrals, which is a very high close ratio. But once you grow a business to a higher volume where referrals should always be in your top three lead sources, if yep. not top two, but once you grow where you have to market to people that haven't heard about you, you have to run uh, outbound marketing, whatever that may be, you know, the pay-per-clicks, uh, online, mm-hmm. um, regular uh, media. Um, it's, it's We call it kind of uh, leaning into the wind. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like I have to I have to do work to get leads now, to fill up my five sales guys' schedules. Yep. Um, then at that point, uh, you're reaching a lot broader base of customers as well. Yep. So you are going to just cycle through more people. You're, you just plan on it. You plan on it, and then your your close ratio drops. Yep. You know you may. And you have to count all your leads too. I think maybe that's another misconception. Like, if these companies that are tracking say seventy five percent, and they think they're at, are they marking down every lead that comes in so every time their phone rings they get a text the office phone rings or they get an email 
is that going into a CRM where they're actually tracking it as a lead? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the challenge. Yeah. If you aren't keeping track, it just, oh, yeah, feels like most of the three quarters of the jobs I run, I get, you know, like, but then add up every single con new contact over the year and then do the math again, you might be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess that's part of that too, maybe. That's definitely part of it. And, and tracking all the leads that come in. And if, and if uh, it is not a service you provide, you still track it. That means you got to sharpen up your marketing to exactly. reach the customers that that you can provide a service yeah. for. Oh yeah. And then on the flip side, uh, the amount of uh, 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 the performance within services can be different um, on a closing ratio. So you may end up uh, at, at DBS. We had multiple services. There's multiple closing ratios. That is kind of a, a standard for that industry. Nice. So a high dollar. Um, you know, work that was maybe finishing or adding bedrooms or such in a basement might have had a 25% close ratio. Gotcha. Very unique services that yep. uh, have some patented technology in them, mm -hmm. um, maybe at least a 50% um, within that. But most, what I've seen in a lot of the multiple industries is is uh, if you are in your 20s, you're an order taker. These people would have done business with you anyways, mm -hmm. um, just as long as you didn't screw it up. Yep. yep. Um, so, and then uh, you're starting to build your skills in the 30s. And if you hit 40s and, and beyond, um, you got a good sales team that's well-trained and is able to communicate your value adds to your customers. So then what happens if you start to get into the 50s and 60s? Keep selling. <laughs> <laughs> the the if you If you do get into the 50s and 60s, um, you also have to look again holistically at the business. Um, maybe maybe we're not charging enough. But to, well, if you're making your margins within the business, um, or if your your market can withstand a rate increase, that's that can be uh, looked at. But yep. more importantly, is can you reach more people? Are you not reaching that many people in the in the community right. that you're trying to help? You might be you might be not growing as much as you could be because you're just servicing a little niche. Your your service, you're correct. Or yep. you're, yeah, or you're in kind of one little community, say, or neighborhood. Yeah. or Yeah. And there's also the thought that there's a certain amount of people that have the need for your service, whether it's a repair or a pleasure sale. Yeah. Um, there's a certain amount of people that are going to be looking for your service. And as you try to create market, for instance, let's say we're placing uh, garage doors uh, and there's $5 million worth of garage doors in this town a, a year right now. Um, we want we want to build our slice of that pie as yep. big as we can, but what if we marketed and created need for garage doors? I don't know, faceless in some fashion where we can say now there's six or seven million dollars worth of work in this town instead of that five. Yeah. Um, so creating market where you're reaching more people that actually aren't thinking about your service or a need for your service is a very fun project to work on. Oh yeah, yeah. All these things, you know, I I. It seems like in conversations with different ones, I always say, like, generally, especially in the trades, the guys that go into business are, like, I consider myself still a dad and I nail ponders, you know? Yeah. And, you know, all this stuff we're talking about here today is very much a critical piece of business, that kind of knowledge, you know? And, yeah, just going back to how important it is to understand each aspect of growing a business because from sales to marketing to production to finance i mean the, each one just has like a whole world of 
things that you need to know. And it's just a ton of work to get it set up. <laughs> yeah, the dynamic of that that team. And as you grow, people or you have a, a director of marketing, a director of sales, or director, you know, or however the business grows or the mm. org chart looks like, um, to get all those perspectives on the same team and, and all the goals of the company accomplished, that's yeah. where... It's like a small miracle if you can pull it off, but... But people that do it, oh yeah, it's being done all the time. Yeah, you know, so it definitely can be done, and that's that's fun yeah. because you're looking at all the lens, and then at more as a as the owner of the company, you have to have somewhat a perspective of all of it. You do, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Not that you have to intimately understand the the nitty gritty grind so much. That's why you hire people to do things yep. in their departments. But yep, um, you but, still you, have but you still kind of do need to know the nitty gritty grind too. Yeah. I mean, for me anyway, I can't handle not knowing at least like how the work is being done in each department, you know? Yeah. Like oh, I yeah. said, there's certain details that just, just happen, but correct. Know, it's like, where's this report coming from? You know? Yeah. It doesn't mean nothing to me unless I understand that everything behind it is strong. Right? Yeah. Knowing what you need to understand, I should be more clear because yeah. you wouldn't be able to go design a kitchen right now. Maybe no. you probably could, but nah. you'd get, mm. yeah. <laughs> it'd be rough. No, I haven't <laughs> learned that software. You know, 360, yeah. you know, um, but the gals know how to do it. They yep. do a, a good job and it's exactly. like, you know. Yeah, I'm not learning QuickBooks and 2020 and all the design software and any of that. But yeah, just like you said, you have to know what you should know, I guess. Yeah. But. More importantly, I think as as you grow, that's where the KPIs come more involved. Is if you have scoreboards for the team and the team players, and and you know what to watch, you know if they're doing a great job mm-hmm. or they're stretching. Are they are they uh, are they doing? Uh, do they do they feel like they're challenged? I should say yeah. better word. Are they challenged in their role? And do they have room to grow? Yep. And do they know if they're winning or losing? Mm-hmm. Have you, in your experience, you know, we're kind of diving into a lot of this stuff now, um, you know, creating scoreboards for departments and, um, in your experience, have you seen some pushback on that? Like the, I mean, I think everybody gets the concept of a scoreboard, even like on a sports game, like you kind of need a scoreboard to keep up the enthusiasm and know who's winning type of thing. But like, have you seen pushback? Because obviously with that is there's accountability, right? It's like real accountability. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have and you ever seen that negatively impact the culture, I guess? No, because it, it's it's partially, a, you know, culture, culture cleansing a little bit. Those that really, uh, let's say, let's go over to a larger company where maybe we can we can do a certain performance that's, Maybe subpar, but it's good enough that we don't get noticed. Yep. With the scoreboard, it gets noticed. Yep. You know, so the pe- it, it for and that's good uh, yep. as far as the better of the orga- betterment of the organization. So those people may have a little hang up, you know, like grumbling of why we got to do this or or how are we going to track this, and the, the, you know, just they'll have the brakes on. Um, have you seen in your experience? Have you seen seen that come up as an issue? Uh, a little bit, and it's always been subliminal. Hindsight being what it, what it is, is yes, looking back at, like, you know, Joe left six months later, and, and he had other reasons why he left and everything, but looking back, it was, it was yeah, now he's accountable to these numbers, yeah. and he actually had a 
pick up his boots and and get to work and a lot harder in order to be at the center of the pack per se of the KPIs right. uh, on the on the team. But whether that was a, a, a direct reflection of of them, uh, but like I said again, it's kind of a cleansing mm-hmm. time. Well, the way I look at it too is like you have let's say you have all these scoreboards you know posted and they're public and all that there's always going to be somebody at the bottom yes and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting fired no (laughs) you know and i think there's maybe a little bit of anxiety as we start talking about this stuff nobody's said anything but i just just that realization that someone's gonna have to be at the bottom of the scoreboard yeah at any given time (laughs) yeah and and it's got to be motivating you know and it's it's not necessarily indication of you know, like they could still, still got an awesome team, right? Like yeah. The goal is that, but we still just want to reward the high performers because if if they are working harder, producing more, we want to be able to take care of them, people. You know. Yeah, yeah. In in the whole Pareto principle of eighty twenty, you'll you'll see that come out a little bit. Yeah. When you start keeping scoreboards, but <clears throat> another thing to watch with scoreboards is you create a KPI. Um, and we utilize that KPI to say whether we're winning and losing in a certain metric. Mm-hmm. And we can use that KPI to also do training. Where in the past, what do we train our guys on? Yeah, what's your baseline? What's your baseline? Yep. And so and so they see it as a, a lot of help because then you'll sit down and have a conversation. of here's Especially if they actually want to better themselves, Yeah. right? And that's a huge part of our culture is like, if you don't want to better yourself, you're probably not a fit for the team. Yeah. Like if you don't have a desire for personal development, eh, it ain't going to probably work out. Honestly. Yeah. And I can look back to the people that have left over the years and that's at least one trait I know is consistent. Yeah. We, and, and spend time tra- self-development um, is, is key. And they will typically, most of the people that have the right mindset will come to you and say, hey, my numbers are low. Um, I'd really like to get some help. Is there can we meet up and mm-hmm. they don't know what they're looking for. They just want their numbers yeah. to go up. So um, what you're saying is if you do the scoreboards, you have to actually give them tools to succeed abs- with, with that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It'd be super demoralizing to say, no, you're on your own. That's your score. Yeah. In other words, <laughs> we didn't start this whole program with scoreboards. No. I mean, you couldn't. Yeah. Right. Correct. You have to have the training and the tools and the support and the culture, all that stuff before you ever start tracking people's performance. Yeah, those are those are big steps to to a adopting it properly, but also like it, like you mentioned, is having the backing behind, and that's the that's any manager's job is to give your employees the right tools to succeed. Yeah, you know, yep. whether it be coaching, training, cheerleading, giving them a path forward, clarity. yeah, path forward, and it also shows them the rungs on the ladder mm-hmm. for the next. Where are they going next? You know, growth plans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't want to grow? I mean, that means growth for yourself, growth for your pocketbook, and growth for your resume, if that's what it is. I mean, yeah. let's just face it. We see, even in our company, with a really low turnover rate, nobody lasts forever, you know? No. And sometimes our our focus on clarity actually gets people to a place where there's a fork in the road. They got to the fork. Yeah. And now you help them on their new journey and... I love it. I mean, it doesn't mean it's easy in the moment, but... No. Long-term... I'd rather get there sooner is kind of my theory on that. Yeah. If I can help them get there sooner, I can get to the right person that much faster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's a a question that LinkedIn used to use on their 
resumes when or resumes or interviews when they were hiring. I actually used it impromptu a few times, hmm. um, but it never was part of our questionnaire. But the question was is uh, went something like this: So, Ty, what do you if you're hired? What do you hope to learn here at our organization that will help you in your next position? Huh? With the next company? So the, they came up with the mindset: We know you're not going to be here forever. What do you hope? to get out of this job that will help you with your next job. Interesting. That was on an interview questionnaire. Hmm. I mean, if you look at the stats, it's it's a fitting question, right? Like, yeah. Turnover is a pretty consistent thing, you know? And that mindset from a leadership level is uh, is grounding, is, is people don't want to leave that type of culture. That's right. the reality. Right. Yeah. You know? Did you see the thing? I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or where it was, where a company was actually paying people to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same kind of thing. It's like, what? So they get them into onboarding, and 30 days in, they give them, they say, I'll give you $4,000 to leave. I'm just like, that is so bizarre. But it makes sense. Like, I would rather stop at 30 days and find out. Like, if they take the money, it was clearly a good decision because now we can reinvest our training dollars into the next person. Yeah. But, wow, what a... What a strange concept, huh? Well, that concept, actually, I, when I, in learning, when you read books and learn and see things online, is different do- dots get connected. Mm-hmm. There's one dot in sales that, uh, or, or mindset in sales that those that are driven by money will never, will never outperform those that are driven with the desire to help others. So, you know, the old Stephen Covey saying is, mm-hmm. um, and those that want to help others, their KPIs outperform anybody's yep. all day long. Oh, yeah. And, and so those that are money motivated, I need to make this sell to get a bigger check. Yep. Um, you might have someone that's good in that arena, but they'll never be as good as that guy that wants to help. Yeah. And so that right there eliminates that person. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, no, I want to stay here. Yeah. You've showed me that you've got a great culture. You've showed me that you've got support and a successful growing company. Like, no, I'm sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's on the fence yep. and, you know, has bills to pay might be like, yeah, there's probably something else out there. And I mean, obviously that would say quite a bit for your confidence in your own yeah. company's processes, I guess. But yeah. I like it. I really do. <laughs> I think yeah. it would be. Are, are you going to offer me five grand to leave? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, shoot. Then it sounds like you're trying to pay somebody off. Yeah. Do you think people are finding this conversation interesting? Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> there's a there's a I'm guessing we went a little in the weeds, but Yeah, there's a lot we cover. Yeah. And I gotta remember to slow my speech down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if no, I'm it's... even easy to understand. No, it's it's interesting because you and I have invested probably months of our life to talking about this stuff and yeah. And it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. We're just having a conversation, but and it and it's super fun. It's the the business and the people within the business is always fun. And um I had a conversation with my buddy Peyton Smith in mm-hmm. South Dakota who feeds me a lot of information. He's doing the same thing that uh I want to do with Nimbus Group. Mm-hmm. He's just years down the road ahead of me. Yep. Even though he's several years younger than me. Yep. Um, but he's doing a really good job of it. But we were talking about KPIs and in, in, in scoreboards and such oh, yeah. uh, earlier this week on Monday. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so uh, it that's was... Got, that's got to be kind of fun for you to uh, kind of dive back into this stuff that you saw work really well and implemented at other companies and now kind of see how it can show up in other companies. And I'm sure oh, yeah. it's not exactly the same everywhere you go, but... No, it's not. And in, in understanding what the differences are is you you, you got to do it and then, then tweak from there. Yeah. You know, you just got to take action. Yep. Um, take action and then change. Yep. And the, the dealer network of Contractor Nation, which we're a part of, yep. um, just that term dealer network, for those that maybe don't know what that is, it's considered like a franchise. The help of a franchise is they provide all sorts of content, training, uh, development. Business tools. Business tools yep. to help you succeed. Yep. But you have to pay for that service with the franchise, whether it be a, a fee or a, a commission flat fee or, or commission. Or, 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 yeah. Yep. And the dealer network is a little different where people are in the same boat as you, and, and typically there's some sort of, uh, you know, you buy their products, they give you all this information and help with you in your business. Mm -hmm. But the Contractor Nation uh, network is super unique in that uh, – you know, if you're directly not providing one of their, you know, five, six business platforms, you can pay a service and get their content. You right. know, it's kind that's of, what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Um, but but as like a foundation repair, one of, like you said, one of the mother companies, that stuff all just comes with. That just comes with, yeah. yes. Um, but more importantly, there's an aspect of that that, uh, that we're missing that would be kind of neat to noodle on how to get into is, is that actual dealer network the actual name the networking itself part the networking name itself is there a guy down in minneapolis or in green bay or in texas doesn't really matter that's uh take the name jnrs and and put in you know tim's tim's home building or whatever it yeah. is that somebody that's in doing the same thing doing pay, the, paying the monthly paying the monthly bill for all the access to all the content but then trying to figure out how to incorporate it into their business into their business and what we found is you know as part of the dealer network there's always we had a lot of big brothers early on. Yeah. And then as we grow and we learn, and uh, whether it be accounting, any type of HR, anything within the business, we're like, hey, we're struggling with this. And like, oh, here, let me send you this PowerPoint. You know, you can show mm -hmm. you guys this and, and do this type of training. Or here's a PDF or um, here's a screenshot of my P&Ls. I mean, everything is intimately shared. Yep. Just no, you want to go fly down there, um, ride along with their sales team for a week, two weeks, done. It's open door. Yeah. Um. And then as, as DBS has grown, uh, people, we were the big brother or sister to other people, you know? So you kind of have these range of, of uh, dynamics of people where um, people are helping you, you're helping them. And, but yeah. I've never seen a dynamic where business, uh, intimate business knowledge and practices were shared so freely ever. Yeah, um, and we're huge on that. You know, we wouldn't be having a podcast if we were concerned about yeah. stuff getting out there. Yeah, and and even with a closer group of of uh, people in the fellow businesses, um, like I said, it was it was whatever whatever you wanted to know of any nature um, outside of uh, obviously sharing stuff that's uh, legally binding, you know, yeah. personal information and social security numbers and such. But. <laughs> yeah. but no, it's I mean we've seen a lot of benefit through some of our networks. Co-construct yeah. has you know prior to COVID especially, they had a really, really solid just community building that they were trying to do and the annual conference and the actually separate platform for sharing. And yeah, um, unfortunately, it seems like it's lost some steam and hopefully it picks back up. But yeah, I agree. I think that's one area where we could, we could really 
improve. Just, yeah. I mean, a, a one hour Zoom meeting could save us two months of headache, you know? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. That's kind of the theory on it. Yeah. It, lots of, lots of headache, heartache, and, and even just time. It just yeah. saves you time. It saves time. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. Because the people that are part of this aren't a part of it if they don't believe in the idea of just sharing, right? Like, correct. So, yeah. Correct. They just, they just share and, and, uh, I'll share with you today and tomorrow and the next day. And I'm assuming that someone else is going to share with me. It might not be you. It might be yeah. someone else. Right. But we'll just, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like an unwritten agreement. Yeah. But then everybody kind of grows together. Yeah. Yeah. What do you you think about this podcast? What uh, What do you think about it as far as uh, business development, marketing, say it like, right? I mean. I have to guess there's some people that are thinking, what in the world are they doing? Like, what's the point? I mean, these are great conversations, but how does that help their business? Like, Ty probably has better things he could be doing at this time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have some of these thoughts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what am I doing here? I got to get that bit out there. <laughs> They're fun, yeah. but there's lots of things that are fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we touched on one thing uh, a few days back is is sometimes uh, actually speaking something, even here we're on a – public podcast yep. you get clarity yourself oh yeah um also it's like hey you know this, this yeah. is actually making sense i've been thinking about it a lot but have i actually told anybody anything yet like all of a sudden you're like no no even you haven't yeah. said nothing really yeah and that's and, and and there's uh also the internal branding that i think is super powerful yeah people within the company that may not be in the office in uh and there's a lot of work that goes into and typically in a construction company, it's it's you got like you got office and production, you know, yeah. and you can you without work you can create different cultures in production. Oh, yeah, it'll happen if in, you're not in the office. And I, I see that here at JNRS, there's one culture, yep. and that's that doesn't happen by accident. That takes a lot of work. Yeah, you have multiple offices. You can have different cultures and different dynamics, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know depending on the logistics or the team dynamic or the the vision of the company to bring everyone in under one umbrella as far as a, a culture goes is, is very tough work. Mm-hmm. So internal branding does a lot here as far as being clear and communicative. And I'm not sure how many customers watch this podcast or have watched it. It'd be interesting to know. Um, but uh, we've seen, we've definitely seen a handful of leads come through now that are tagged as podcast. Yeah. But I think maybe that's probably. Maybe a little bit of the misconception of these types of marketing and media efforts that I'm going to start it on this date and in a month I better have leads coming, you know, like, right? I mean, that's kind of the theory. Like, this is everything we do is kind of for the long game, right? Yeah. And that's how I see it anyway is it's we're strengthening relationships with, like you said, our own team. You know, people are going to get to know Jeff now a little better. Yeah. There's... 40 people here that half of them maybe know you, but the other half don't. And they see you, though, at the pizza party, and they yeah they want to know what, what you got going on, you know. Another and, blonde Ivy kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of them crazy kids running around. No, but, and then just that external, like, strengthening relationships, even our customers. Yeah. You know. Even if it'll it get is... to the point where there's, maybe it's not today, but five years down the road, this content will be used in our benefit, right? Yeah where people come across it. I mean, that's kind of the theory. They have to they have to find this content. If I just send a podcast to a customer, 
the credibility just drops dramatically. But if they subtly just come across it and they find it, they're kind of like, oh, this is a treasure trove. Yeah. Potentially, or, or maybe it turns them off or whatever. But they get to know us, and it's all about building that trust before they ever call your front desk. Yeah. Yeah. And in internal branding also, uh, and these are just words that we use in the past. I don't know if it ever, any uh, else uses that terminology, uh, internal brand, external brand, but internal branding also has to do with hiring, you yep. know. So when people are researching a company, they will be watching a lot of uh, the additional content, just going through. Yeah, because they're trying to see their, what it's yeah. like in the life at JNRS. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that, if you don't give them a window into that, yeah, you know, you're 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 trying to find a high level, say, high level person, a manager, or a, maybe even a director level hire. People do their homework. Yeah, you know, they're going to be on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn checking out profiles of the business owners and if there's any business accounts they're going to be combing them websites and yep so the more you have out there the more people are like oh no i looked you guys up you guys are just and we've seen that already we've had some good success with that yeah you know jennifer she came from north carolina correct just found us on the job boards and then went to our website and like just loved the feel it's like well we succeeded that was the whole idea yeah, you know, a vision and a mission were evident and clear, and it was through the branding. It was evident that we were living that out to some extent, and but yeah, it's it's hard to know how that all kind of comes together, and even to put a thing. No, really. it's hard to put your finger on what works and what doesn't work, and but yeah. yeah, no, I don't, I don't think you do. Yeah, there's there's not a KPI for everything. Um, and I think this is one of those things. It's it's part of the culture to create media and content. Yep. And w- and it'll have its useful uses as far as content creation for inbound marketing, outbound marketing, and things like that. Yep. And there's but you're creating content throughout the entire organization. Um, I I think it just becomes a culture of content creation. Yep. Um, and it's good because everyone gets comfortable creating content yep. you know we want to see everybody sitting in this seat right that's what's yeah, in the company actually that's a goal yeah you know everybody here is is telling their their story what they're doing uh mm-hmm. what their role looks like um and then again that that little piece will cascade maybe 10 people watch it 100 people watch it maybe that person becomes a manager and and someone applies and you tell them you know what your boss is going to be ryan or mm-hmm. or sam and they're like oh, oh well, yeah, look, i know I, him that must be the guy that Loves golf, yeah, know, or whatever. Interview with Sam. You know, yeah. I like that dude. Right, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like that theory of uh, we're a sales and marketing or, like, content company or media company that just so happens to do X, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I always thought, even probably heard you over the years say, like, you know, a company needs to be kind of a sales-driven or a marketing-driven company. And I probably didn't fully understand that, and I didn't, you know, it could be taken kind of funny, like, you know, the salesmen run the company kind of, maybe is what what I thought you were getting at. Yeah. But I can see now that it's, that's not what it is. It's just a culture of promotion, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be through bragging and boasting and... 
But you got to highlight the things, the wins, right? Like you got to highlight the successful projects and highlight the success of your people, especially. Yeah, we don't want to be the the Facebook of the world. Just no. here we are in Tahiti, you know. Here we are snowboarding, and right. And then you know, yeah. No, you're, that, that you're homesick that with that COVID. Wouldn't come across well, and frankly, I think that's and Max has enlightened us on this. That's kind of the problem with marketing to the new generation now, is they're so sick and tired of that. Uh, commercial uh, yeah. culture, right? Like everything's just pushed at you. Yep. On a TV commercial, radio ad, billboards, all this stuff is like buy now, you know, click here. And it's almost like people appreciate the more subtleness of yep. like this company just gets it. They're dialed. Everything's, everything kind of just works and, yeah, you know, it's a lower pressure, but it's hard to find that balance though. Yeah, when it's raw and when it's uh, you, you're not sc- scared to, uh, you know, bear it all. Like, yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't say we've accomplished that by any means. I mean, it's boy, it feels like we're learning every day, and um, but it's fun. It's fun to learn. Yeah, it's yeah. I would never want to have accomplished it or whatever that means. Yeah. You know. Well, it, it, that goes back to the just the overarching view: success is a, is not a destination. You know, right. we're you know, is there at a point when you say like, yeah, we got there, you know, let's all clap or have a pizza party. Yep. It's just a continuous journey. Yeah, absolutely. What time is it? Are we running out of time yet? We're getting down to the wire. We're getting down to the wire. Well, I had some questions here, but I don't know. I think we probably probably covered them all. Why do, why do salesmen get a bad rap? I think that's a pretty good question. Yeah. It is a good question. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, if it, there's an old study, I don't know how old. I'm guessing it was maybe 10 years. Uh, Forbes or someone put it out. Is They actually just rated the trustworthiness of, a, of salesmen. Um, the worst salesman is what everybody, everyone usually gets it right, is used cars. Yep. The second uh, least trusted salesman is home improvement. Nice. And then third, I don't remember what was on from there because that was the role I was in, so I knew we were number two and not number one. <laughs> That's so, encouraging. So, but building the credibility, like like through what we're doing, with and opening in uh, transparent process, mm-hmm. and is uh, is key to uh, building the trust and credibility. But I think it's in the end, it's kind of like uh, uh, the it's it's sales is a very noble profession. You know, and uh, uh, Zig Ziglar talks a lot about this. And if you listen to his books and you, you're you thinking it's not a noble pre- that, uh, uh, profession, you, you really get uh, a confidence booster. Hmm. Because nothing in this world happens without a sale. Yeah. No one has a job. Every 100% unemployment if nobody sold anything. Right. 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 So the whole world starts off with the sale. Yep. And there's a little series he talks about the, you know, uh, buying them part all the way through the tractor to the farm field, you know, to oh, yeah. the guy that grew, you know, it's a kind somebody of a, has to brag about it a little bit. Someone has to make a sale in order for this world to move. Yeah. You know, you can't what about, do anything uh, without a sale. What about Nike, though? I heard they don't have any salespeople. I'm not sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> Some, and, and, someone said that one time, and I'm like, huh. And in the dealer network, it was a couple of years ago. I wonder how they sell without sales. Um, it, I'm not sure which speaker it is. They usually bring some great speakers to uh, the convention. Uh, we had Patrick Lencioni one year and Henry McLeod. And, but he was talking on and off. Uh, he does the main conference, and then they does some workshop trainings. 
Um, but we're talking about the, the sales profession and different people um, uh, call them different things. We're going to be a consultant or we're going to be a, 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 we use design specialist. We used, you know, you can use different things that make sense for your industry. But you may use a different word, but don't use the word to hide the fact that you're a salesman. We're not, maybe a design consultant is more fitting because you got to design something right. or that, that's okay. But we're not using it just to not call us salesmen. We're proud to be called salesmen. Right. We're very proud of the fact. Yeah, I think we, I've caught myself in that trap too, trying to like, you know, people are scared of the word sales and all that. And it's like, yeah, but that's what the world knows us as. So, yeah. How, you know, in, in, in your actions, in how you behave and talk, uh, will build the credibility. And, and that's, and that's one thing that is, uh, super unique about the contractor nation process is redefining the contractor experience, you know, um, what it means to be a contractor yeah. and the perception of sales, yep. um, is key, yep. but there goes, I think it goes back a little bit even to the fact that to be a salesperson in, in vast majority of companies, I mean, you're not selling pharmaceuticals or anything. You don't need a degree. You don't need a certain education. You know, you don't, you don't need any requirements or certificates or mm -hmm. for the most part in, in mm -hmm. any state or any service. Um, and so especially used cars where there's a, a need for people or some maybe uh, lower consumer good, yep. you know, the, the booth at the mall or the yep. uh, where they're kind of pushing. I think that's where the consumable market um, gets a bad rap. Yeah. No. And that's where we're, we're, we're feeling it. Yep. Or and world and really, you don't like you said, you don't need all this education and things like that to be a salesperson. Really, all you need to do is know how to care for somebody and Correct. have a desire to help, right? I mean, that's yeah, sounds cheesy maybe, and you know, you hear it and then you're like, yeah, yeah, we all we but we all care, and it's like, no, you have to actually show up every day caring. And I think yeah, Jason and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I was just kind of like. This is hard work, isn't it? You know, because a few years ago when we hired him, he he was he was chomping at the bit for sales, and I'm like, well, you kind of need some field experience, and and we're we're glad that it worked out the way it did. But he was like, it's eye opening. It's hard work. It's hard work, and if you care, you have to be the expert. Yep. You know, you have to be the expert in your craft, your trade, your industry. Um, and so, just by say, by saying you don't need any certificate certificates or experience, um. Yeah, the school of hard knocks says you do. You do. Yeah. You know. Right. And and those that care for people, and those that, and if you care, you're an expert in your industry. Yep. You know how to help people. You know how to solve problems. Yep. Um, if you don't know, you'll go find the answer. Yep. Um, and so, and, and that that shows through. You have a high level of trust and rapport. Yep. And you'll you'll be successful. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. My my little experience is dealing with like subcontractors where I'm, where I'm all of a sudden the customer, you know, time and time again. Yep. And I can list off probably half a dozen guys off the top of my head that have just been our go-to subcontractors and each one of them, it's like, I don't even care what they charge. I mean, I do cause I got a budget and all that, but they're guys that just care about the customer. Yep. I can send them on a Saturday and I know the customer, customer will be taken care of and they won't be gouged on the price or anything like that. Yep. So I do believe in that, but 
Well, awesome. Well, if nothing else, this is a good uh, cure for insomnia. You know, yeah, people are yeah. bored. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no, I do appreciate you coming on, Jeff, and um, we're beyond thrilled with how well it's going. Um, I think you would even have to admit we've seen a ton of progress with with our sales team. And oh yeah, yeah, um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and we've got we've got a lot of work to do. It's, we got a lot of work to do. We're certainly not there yet, and yep. But I think we're starting to see, starting to see some little glimmers of this is working. This is really working. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And there always be work to do. We hit the, we knock the goals out of the park. We sit down next year, and new goals are set, and it's going to be higher than last year for yep. some reason. Yeah. And there'll be work to do. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for making time today. And yeah, you're welcome. Thanks we'll, for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our next episode where we sit down with Matt Ward, one of our trim supervisors.